Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. As we bring this podcast to a close, we've had so many requests come through for podcast topics, so we're going to try and cover as many as we can over the next few weeks. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about working for ourselves and building our businesses, and then later in the episode, we're going to chat about what it means to be seen and how we've both settled into the comfortability of that. We'll also dish out some surprise records, and Holly guesses the celebrity nail chart of the Queen of the Christmas Song, <laughs> the King's Bublé. In case you were wondering, if you were wondering I'm... who else was in the in the royal Christmas family. It's so. So the King is Michael Bublé. The Queen is clearly Mariah. Who's yeah. the princess and the prince of of Christmas carols? Yeah. I don't know. My, did I, have I told you about, I think I did in the last Christmas episodes that we did, that my dad has the Bob Dylan Christmas album yes, and it's so painful to listen to. <laughs> it's, I can imagine it would just be like the one vibe every song. It is. Like a monotonous toning. Yeah, it's like, have we listened to this carol yet? <laughs> it's like, no. Meanwhile, my dad plays South Park Christmas carols. Oh, I think I'd take Bob Dylan over South Park anyway. Oh, yeah. Jeez, I don't even know. He's a musician. He knows better than this. (laughs) It's too funny. Too funny. Um, So we will talk about Christmas a little bit in the next few episodes, which is weird. It feels very premature, but I guess it's not. It's November. Yeah, and Christmas trees are out in the shopping centres. I saw them a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, we there now. We're really there. Well, yeah, they come out in October. Why? Well, I guess because people are planning. A good planner. I feel like people have just like forgotten about Christmas this year. I feel like if anything 2020 needs, it's Christmas time and we need to really make it the best Christmas of our lives. I just couldn't be fucked, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. And I love Christmas, but I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I can't get a Christmas tree this year because a certain little kitty cats just would have a field day with it. It would be the best Christmas ever for Oh, my God, she'd go mental. <laughs> she would love it. It's actually interesting, Jordan. It, it, as much as I'm like, yay, Christmas, I'm also like, I have no idea where I'll be. Like, Mum's like, what are you going to be doing? Trent's dad is like, okay, we're going to do this. And I'm like, guys, we don't know where we're going to be living. Yes. So Christmas this year is cancelled. <laughs> well, it's funny because I am um, a little bit off Christmas topic, but I've had to be putting together a list uh, for the publisher of people to send – higher love too and higher love comes out on the 5th of january so we've got to start sending them out uh the week of christmas basically so that with the post postal service it arrives of course. and um we got to your name and i was like tba <laughs> i was like i don't know where she's gonna be living i literally had a breakdown this week and i it was by myself and i was sitting at the dining room table and i looked up the universe made breakdown and i went i'm not asking for much i just want to know where i'm going to be living like 
Is that too much to ask? But it was much more dramatic than that. It was through fits of tears. It's like the house, it's auctioned off. By the time by the time this is in listeners' ear holes, where I'm living right now is sold. So we'll know the timeline. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe it won't be sold at auction. You don't know. Actually, that's true. Maybe we'll buy it in a rare turn of events. Well, I can definitively say that will not happen. <laughs> we'll absolutely not have it. <laughs> So I was listening back to last week's ep, which had lots of the laughs. It was great. All the lols. I was I was listening to it on the um on the lighthouse walk, and I I could not help but laugh out loud. Like it was so it was so funny. I was always like, can I listen to this back to back again? Because I like laughed a lot. But so good. Something you said, Jord, that made me think was your resistance to calling yourself a business owner. Yeah, yeah. You you say that you're self employed but not a business owner. And then I sat with that and I was like, oh, I'd never even thought of it like that. But I know, I noticed in the Facebook chat that a few people jumped on the same bandwagon. It's like, yeah, I've got this resistance to calling myself a business owner. Um, What makes a business owner, firstly? (laughs) Well, okay, so here's the thing. This is the reason I'm resistant is my accountant always says to me, oh, you know, the, the best thing about having a business is that you can sell it one day. And I'm like, oh, no, I could... I don't have a I don't have a business. Yes. To sell. Okay. You can't sell it because it's not it's me. I am the business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where my resistance comes from, I think. I think it was just sort of like this belief that a business is something that you could sell on potentially. But I do think there's some truth in what I'm saying. I think that we all run our own businesses if you think about business as income, like incoming money and outgoings yes. Yes. really but in terms of um is this a business within itself that's separate from who i am mm. no it's the company versus sole trader chat so if you have a company it's like you're that there's a product or there's a service whereas when you're a sole trader it's just everything in your abn is you outlaying energy and time Yes, but also I am not yet, but I will be a company and still not be a business. Because for me, for example, and this is not giving people any financial or accounting advice, but for me, because I have a lot of money that comes in through, say, my books yes. um, and the royalties and any any kind of money that stems from the release of the books, it's almost worth it for me in terms of tax to be having that as a company so that I'm not uh-huh. paying as high a tax on the royalties that come in. This is all the sexy biz chat that maybe lots of people don't realize go on behind the scenes. And it doesn't matter whether you're a sole trader, self-employed or running a business. There's all of this stuff to consider. Were you being chat. ironic when you said sexy? Oh, yeah. It's not oh. sexy at all. I was like, Holly. <laughs> I, I am not turned on right now. <laughs> this- but, but I guess this is the nature of our conversation today, Jordan. I'm so interested for us to share that the highs, the lows, the challenges. What what are the hardest parts for us in being self-employed and working for ourselves? Because I think a lot of the time it can be this grand visionary plan for people without knowing how challenging it can be. And and the things that, you know, if you don't get cross your T's and dot your I's, is that the saying? Yeah. Then you can actually fall into some serious trouble. Yeah. Yep. So, Joy, <laughs> growing up, did you want to work for yourself? Well, Is it's that the plan. It was funny. I I'd never really had the thought about it, but I knew that I really struggled working for other people. 
Mm. Um, I look. I always imagined myself in a publishing company and just sitting at the top of the ladder somewhere, um, yeah. either an editor or an editor in chief of a magazine. That's mm. all I really sort of envisaged for myself, I guess. Um, I just found as I did move up the ladder, there was always a lot of people to answer to. And Mm. I realized that my strength was in creativity and overseeing Mm. and not always in having to answer to somebody and their vision. Yes. Um, So that was the impetus for me to go out on my own. I had a string. I talk about it a lot in Make It Happen. I had a string of hard bosses so they all taught me amazing things but it was always hard work I never had a great relationship with my bosses and that was the impetus for me to go and work for myself because I felt like I was working myself to the core for someone else's benefit yeah and I know what a good worker I am and I thought well hang on I feel like I should be getting a hundred percent of the value of this Yes. Yeah. And so was it hard for you to make that decision when it came, when push came to shove? No, I had like a lot of things fall into place to kick me out that door. As soon as I made the decision to leave that last big job, um, I actually had two contract jobs. So like freelance jobs mm-hmm. come in that were very, very rewarding, mm. um, creative, creatively, but also financially. So I was very lucky in that respect. And I do think that was universal. Um, And also I I wouldn't have left without them, to be honest with you. I was too scared. I was young. I mean, I wasn't that young. I was 29, Mm -hmm. just about to turn 30. But I was single and I didn't have a second income. Mm. Um, I didn't have my parents to support me. Mm. I had my own – I mean, I was renting, but I had my own apartment in Bondi um, with a very high rent, you know, it's not mm. like I just had the freedom to be like, Oh, I'll just see what happens. Yeah. So I kind of needed these backup freelance jobs coming in, but I also knew my value and I knew what I was worth and I knew where my talents lied. And so there was a very strong sense of self-belief and a mm. very high level of self-worth. And I do think that that's so important energetically mm. when thinking about starting your own business or working for yourself. Absolutely. You've got to back yourself because no one else is going to back you. No one else is going to do all of the 50,000 different things you have to do in a day. And you've got to believe that you can do it. It's yeah. not it's not for the faint hearted. That's for sure, Judd. No. And also I want to say that I went out on my own. I had those two big freelance jobs. I think they both went for about six months mm. and that was fine. And then there was no work coming in. And Mm. then I freaked out and I Mm. went part-time and worked for a company and still did my own stuff on the side. So I was doing three days, I think, for a company and and doing my own stuff. And then I left that and I went full-time for myself and then it got quiet again. And then, you know, so it's like this in and out, in and out. That's been about six years now. And I have only just gotten to a point where I know that money's going to keep coming in. Yeah. Yeah, it's and that's what six years into working for yourself that yeah. you can say that comfortably, 100%. Yeah, and I still teach yoga. I mean, I teach yoga because I love teaching yoga, not for the money at all, but there is still income coming in from, you know, other people. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So when I started out, um, I, I was the opposite. I never, ever, ever thought I'd work for myself. I never, it was never a vision. I never wanted to. I remember clear as anything in my first year working in corporate saying to my, my MD, um, God, I could never do this because I saw how much went on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it got to the point where you guys all know the story. You listen to the middle. I would just absolutely burned myself out and was made redundant. And I had no choice. Well, I did have choices. Let's be real. I could have gone and got a job back in corporate land. Yeah. But I decided to do a coaching course and at the same time work three jobs to see if it's what I wanted to do. I just felt that little bit of curiosity. I never, even when I was doing the coaching course, thought that one day I would work solely for myself. Like I, again, was like, oh, I'll end up working in mags. I'll end up getting, like, I'll do some freelance writing and then end up in magazine land. It's so weird. Can I ask you a question, Hole? Mm. Was there someone that you saw either in your life or on social media that was living a life that you thought perhaps you could be living too? Yes. There were a few figures on social media that, uh, it was when Instagram was just a thing and they were speaking and they were traveling and they were inspiring yeah. and they were sharing words. And I honestly, there were moments where I was quite bitter projector, not being recognized because I was like, how are they doing it? Like, I, I know I'm like, I'm a journalist. Like, I know I could do that and like kill it. Like, how did they do it? But it wasn't even from a place. It was inspiring to me, but also I was very bitter at the time because I just couldn't bridge that gap in my mind. And this is why so many people fall short. They need to see how it's going to go. They need to see how they're going to get there onto that stage or into that. Here's the thing. Like, I want you to finish your story, but I just want to interject here because I think it's a good place to do it. Mm. Holly and I had corporate careers. Mine was a little bit longer than yours only because I'm so fucking old. But, (laughs) you know, Mm. like we had a a long stint in corporate and that Mm. I think is the the, uh, runway or like the lead up, the pre-game to where we are now. And sometimes I get very bitter when I see 21-year-olds who sort of have just kind of come out of uni or not even maybe 18 year olds that have just come out of school and want to be at the end. They want to be here. And I'm like, no, no, we we didn't just like emerge onto the scene of working for ourselves. This was a long, long, long process, you know? Well, yes, it's such an important conversation, George, because I feel like that's the piece that's not often discussed. And I read a quote ages ago, always come back to it. The average overnight success takes seven years. Yeah. Seven years. I know. It's like we're going to be overnight successes in two years' time. Yeah. Hold on tight, guys. Like, but this is the thing. It's like it is hard work, and I always am so grateful for my corporate background. And not only were you and I in corporate, Jord, but we were very specifically in marketing, and PR, media, media yeah. journalism, all skill sets that are very much what we do right now, which yeah. is the written word, the spoken word, creating content. So it's not just waking up one day and going, we're going to do this, which there's nothing wrong with that, but know that we found longevity in it because we honed in so many skill sets, did the hard slogs and then still like made redundant. And I went back and worked in retail for 18 months. I did promotional modeling. I freelance wrote and I was taking co- uh, coaching clients and visiting them at their houses for 50 bucks cash in hand. Like 
doing whatever I could to get money in. I was different to you though, Jord. Um, at the time, Trent and I were able to move back with his parents. So I was doing this while living with Trent's family um, because we were saving money for our wedding. So that that was kind of what was going on in my life at the time. But I, I feel like you and I are both the same in this way where we're not afraid to work hard. We actually enjoy hard work. And I know that's hard to believe because sometimes I, I don't seem like I work much at all. But at the beginning, I was nonstop. Like it was just nonstop work. And I feel like that's what you've got to do to start out, right? Yes. Well, yes, I do. I, I, I get very worried about telling people to work hard because I'm like, please don't bang yourself out. Oh, don't bang yourself out. But yeah, no, it was hard work. Uh, you know, I, it's still hard work. It's still hard work. Like I was just, I just went for a walk this morning with a friend and she's like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, I'm going to work all weekend. She's like, you did that last weekend. I'm like, I know. <laughs> you know, like, that's like, <laughs> I guess that's the other struggle of working for yourself, right? It's like having these clock on clock off hours, they don't really exist. And yeah. what we were talking about today was taking time off over Christmas. And it's sort of like, well, I could take time off, but that also means there's no money coming in. Yeah. Ever, because, you know, you don't get all the perks of all the other stuff. So, yes, it is hard work. You do have to work hard. But I think, and I what I'd like to take the conversation into now is the mindset around all of this stuff. Because I think having a very clear vision about where you're headed mm. and having intentions, day-to-day intentions, week intentions, month intentions, year intentions around the business is really helpful and has really gotten me to where I am today in terms of working for myself. Totally. It keeps you on track because otherwise you're just kind of flying by the suit of your pants going, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. But at the end of the day, I guess with business and with working for yourself, a priority has to be making an income because <laughs> otherwise it's not business. It's a hobby. Which, And again, nothing wrong with that. But if you're really wanting to have skin in the game and make this your thing, the, the priority must be, okay, how am I going to make this work for me financially and what are my plans in terms of growth and cash flow? So when it comes time for you to plan, do you plan for the year ahead? Oh. Are you planning quarterly? <laughs> like what, how does that work? How does that process work for you? <laughs> Guys, I don't know if I'm a shining example of this sort of stuff. Um, it's hard for me. Can I tell you why it's hard for me? Um, a lot of my income has ended up being around my books selling. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great, which is great because you put all the hard work in and then you just get lots of money coming in. It's uh, twice a year it comes in. I don't know my year ahead, to be honest with you. I've got a new book coming out uh, in January. I hope it does well. There'll be lots of promotion around that. Um, and then I've got to decide what I'm going to do with the next year. Am I going to start writing book three? Um, am I going to build programs around the content of Higher Love, the book that's yes. just come out, book two? Am I going to build on Lunar Lover? Am mm. I going to bring a new concept in? I, mm. I actually, to be honest with you, I don't know. I haven't done forward planning for the year ahead. Um, I will do it though. I think for me, I'm so, <laughs> and this is not advice. For people this is just me and my natal chart and my human design I'm very much about the invitation and I have been ever since I started working for myself 
Most of the things I've done, I've been invited to do Mm. or I've been sort of like, um, I've had the idea and an invitation has come forward and I've followed it. And Mm. it's been intuitive the whole time. It's never led me in the wrong direction. And that's sort of where I'm at now. now. And if I'm being completely honest with you, all cards on the table, over the next year, I actually want to shift away from business being my priority. And I'd Mm. really like to prioritize my relationships. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. I'm the same as you, George. My business, it's funny because my background is business strategy, marketing, forward planning, creating strategic plans for publicly listed companies. And I, I tried that in my first year of being in business, like back when it was like working all the other jobs. I had my business strategy, I had my marketing strategy, I had all of these things. And over time, it's become far more intuitively guided than anything else. There's little regiment like regimented energy in the way that I run business again not business advice it's how it's how I work I feel into something so you know I I brought intuitive readings back this year after taking a year off because I wasn't feeling them um but now they honestly Thursdays are my favorite one of my favorite days of the week because I'm like I get to do readings so for me it's always the output has got to feel inspiring that's one of my biggest values I really want to be inspired by the work that I do and the people that I work with uh, the content that I'm creating and so that's kind of my uh, I guess the value that is the undercurrent for everything I create and I'm, I'm similar to you the only kind of big things that I have planned inverted commas next year is launching soul talk which will be my podcast in the new year and continuing with readings continuing manifestation and magic and seeing what invitations land amongst all of that yeah it's exciting i um i i like not knowing i like a bit of mystery yeah you know i agree i feel like when i know too much which i always want to know everything at all times but when i know too much I'm bored of the thing before I've even done it. That's so true. It gives yeah. it a bit of spice and excitement. But again, we are talking to our natal charts. <laughs> and also not the way to run a business. No, definitely not. <laughs> but George, speaking of spice and excitement, yeah. share with me some of your best business highlights or wins. Um, yeah. Again, I'm not great at this whole, I'm not great at seeing my own wins because I don't celebrate them. And that was one of the questions in the Facebook group. How do we celebrate our wins? And I wanted to write, Holly and I are really bad at it collectively. (laughs) We tell everyone to celebrate and then we sit home not celebrating. (laughs) Well, also we just go, oh yeah, wow, that was good. And then we move on to the next thing. It's terrible. So bad. Um, I guess the books, becoming an author, um, the first book, was very, very, very special. And of course the second book is special, but I feel like it was, it's just the next, you know, yeah, tra- it's the trajectory now is, is book writing, which is great. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the third book and the fourth book and the fifth book and the sixth book and whatever they might be. Um, but that first book deal, yeah, that was definitely a huge. win. A huge, huge. win. Um, Business wise, I guess also just like, uh, the Lunar Lover membership mm, that for mm. me, I've created a consistent income. And that's something I never had when I first started my business. It was always like, when's the next contract? When's the next freelance gig? When's the next article? When's the next copywriting gig? You know, but Lunar Lover just ticks over, you know, and it, it feels Amazing. almost like a salary because I, it's guaranteed every month. 
Yeah, totally. So that was a big win. Um, and, and I still want to keep growing that. That's something that I still want to keep growing. And I have neglected it a little bit because not in terms of what's happening in there now, but neglecting the growth of it because mm. I've been so concentrated on the books. And that's, that is what's hard within my business model is the years so different. You know, when I'm in book writing mode, I can't do anything else. No. But writing a book doesn't make you money. Once you've written no. it, it makes you money, right? So that's sort of where I need to kind of start to shift things around from a financial perspective is kind of go, okay, I can sit and I can take my time writing a book because that's what inspires me. Yes. But where's the flow of money coming in? So I have the freedom to do that yes. because, you know, so many other authors hold, they'll have a full-time salary job where they go and work for someone else. It's insane. And then they write a bit in the morning and they write a bit before they go to bed and somehow they've written a whole book. I could never do that. I could no never way. do that. No way. I remember some of my writing lecturers at uni were saying the same, like they would come in and teach us to write. And then they're like, yep, I've done my hour this morning and I'll go back after lecturing all day. And it's like, hang on a second. Are you inspired? Like, how are you feeling? (laughs) But also there must be generators, right? Like there's no way a projector could do that. Hell to the no. It's just not a business model that we would agree with. (laughs) No, not at all. No um, sorry. And then wins. Yeah. I mean, look, I've had lots of like contract wins where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I got that contract. But yes. yeah, I think the big ones for me are always the ones that I come up with myself. So Luna Love of the Podcast, The yes. Middle, and Higher Love the Podcast, you know, like uh, the creation of those, the, the idea of those, the creation, and then the hands-on making of them, the editing, the recording, the... Yeah, I, they they feel like massive wins for me. They're massive wins. They're massive wins. And I I want to say, like, Jordan, you were doing the podcast thing way before everyone had a podcast. Like, way, way, way before when it was the Inspired Table. 2016, yeah. Jeez. You were, like, first on the game, girl. <laughs> well, I wasn't first, but I, I was early. And I yeah. think... Um, yeah, look, I just love podcasting. I think it's such a great medium. I'm I'm impressed with everyone's that that's getting their podcasts up now. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's a great way to share content if your voice is how you share, which yours yes. is. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. So what are your what are your business wins, Hole? Well, I was thinking about this through the lens of corporate holes and if she saw the things that I was doing like what would she be like impressed by? Oh, okay. And they're just the littlest things like actually having people want to learn from me yeah. <laughs> it feels like a big deal and that obviously plays into the recognition piece but mm. my it sounds so lame but I just it, it's not lame it's the truth I love my clients so much I love the communities of women and some men that I've called in and through I think my my biggest my favorite thing that I've created has been manifestation and magic um, it's on its fifth intake now. It's really allowed me to grow in terms of financially within my business. And it gives me so much joy and it feels like flow for me. So yeah, the people that I've been able to meet along the way and the things that I've been able to teach and, and watching other people's lives change because of those teachings, that that is it for me. If I did that forever, seriously, so stoked. Um I think something else that I'm proud of in business is when I I went 
full-time in the business. So similar to you, it's I'm five years in the business now. So it would be about the four-year mark. I was doing, you know, freelance writing for Depths of Beauty for a few years and there was always other things. But this year was the year where I really went, no, I'm going to be smart about this. I'm going to do my readings, which are my base income for the week, run my programs and just really be self-sufficient. And that's been a really, really nice thing. I guess for me, because I have always had someone to fall back on should I need to, I've wanted to prove to myself that I can stand on my own two feet. And that's what this year particularly <laughs> through pandemic and all, has taught me um, about my ability within holding my own and generating an income on my own. So that's another win for me. Amazing. So, Jord, if, if we've got listeners listening to this and they've just started in business themselves or they're going to, what would a couple of tips be that you would share with them? Well, um, there's a few things I would say working for yourself. And, I mean, this goes for working from home as well. Um, the first thing is set your calendar up for the week. That's what I do all the time. Otherwise, I get to the end of the week and I'm like, oh, all those things that I wanted to do, I didn't get done. So mm. I actually put them into my calendar. I want to do this on this day, this on this day. And if I don't get to them, I just move them to the next day. But it just gives me some oversight for the week. And then I can work out how many hours a day I actually have to work because mm. if I only have to work two hours a day, well, then that's a win for me. You know, I don't totally. try and cram more stuff in than I have to. And mm. that's a projector thing as well. Um, always, always, always be kind and nice to every contact you talk to, mm. Mm. Um, whether they're people through social media or in the flesh. I have gotten so many incredible opportunities from people that I've met and connected mm. with that I didn't think were going to be a business opportunity that ended up being one. Um, and I think when you're working for yourself, you need as many of those connections as you can get. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Um, and always, yeah, just always be kind to clients. If you've got a client that screws you over, I've had plenty mm. deal with it in the most respectful way that you can. Mm, that's a good point. That is yeah. a good point. And get it in writing. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Everything in writing. I had, I don't know if I've spoken about this before, but I had this nightmare client who just keeps popping up every 18 months demanding money that's not owed to her. Um, and everything she has discussed was over the phone. So there's no proof of it, which has yeah. fucked her over. But also it's annoying for me because I'm like, well, if I just had it written down, I'd show you that you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I would prove it. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you do contracts, make sure you put things in writing where you can. And also, you know, I know it feels like when you start your own business that you want to take whatever you can get and charge as little as you need to in order for money to be coming in, but really know your worth and know your value. And the other, the other little piece of advice I have for people is don't be afraid to upskill. Like, Mm. You guys know that I have a million skills, but it's because mm. I want to be the most skilled person I can be, you know, yeah. and there's so many short courses you can do. You don't have to go and study for four years, but learning and educating yourself is the best thing that you can do when you're out on your own. Mm. And and to team that with the fact that business is going to be, should you be stepping into it or you're new to it, it's going to be a big learning curve for you in all other areas of your life. Like it shines a light on everything, like all of the shadow stuff, all of the personal development stuff. It, it 
you know, will force you to look at beliefs you have around being seen, which we'll talk about in this episode, around owning your voice, around, you know, giving value and worth and what your vision is and so many things. So for me, I guess a tip would be to make sure that you are supported with people like a network who are either doing this work as well, like working for themselves. It's so important to have people you can bounce ideas off and people who get it. Um, But also some form of be it talk therapy or kinesiology or healing work where you can shift what, for me at least, my business has been a catalyst for so much stuff like masculine energy and feminine energy and all of it. So just recognizing that you could have mass spiritual awakenings when you step into running your own show. Um, But another really, really simple one, it's going back to what you were saying at the beginning, Jord, of the guilt around not necessarily working a nine to five job and doing your own hours is uh, it's also creating boundaries because there will be people in your life who will think that because you're working for yourself, you're able to, you know, just, you know, take a phone call at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday or whatever it is. And it's, it's, you're still working. It's still work. And in fact, it's more important that you make use of your time because you're only reliant on you for a lot of the time. So doing the work on your boundaries is so, so key. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And the other thing is just be patient with yourself. Like it is an absolute journey and you're not, you're not just going to fall. We might, but it's likely that you're not just going to fall into success. So really, really be patient with yourself. If you're doing two jobs at once in order to get the business up and running, that's absolutely fine and normal. And people just start sharing it on social media. And also remember social media is a highlights reel. And then also, you know, talk to people in your field who you would like to mirror or be like. You know, I do a little bit of mentoring with people that are trying to um, create their own businesses and they just want to kind of, get some advice around what to do. So, you know, make sure you reach out to people for that sort of stuff. Um, And then the other thing I want to say is I'm terrible at it, but Holly's great at it, is once you are in the business, know that you can't do everything and delegate some of the work. (laughs) Or or, all of the work. I'm still working on that. But delegation (laughs) is great. I had a I had a reading with a, a beautiful client of mine yesterday and she's just sat Activate Your Light Leadership, which is the graduate program for Manifestation and Magic. And I, I teach them how to set up their own businesses and do this work. And we did a whole week on delegating. And in the, in the reading yesterday, she's like, Holly, you'll never believe it. I decided that I don't like cleaning my house. So I've outsourced. I have a cleaner and I feel so great. And I'm like, yeah, just outsource your entire life if you need to. I like my, my, I don't even like calling her my assistant, Jess. Hey gal. She listens religiously to the potty. She's incredible and so invested in the vision and just creates so much behind the scenes that she's so much better at it than me. And similarly, um, financially, again, this is where all my Virgo stuff comes out, but it's like, do things by the book and do them right and you don't need to know the tax brackets and gst and all of those things if you've got someone a trusted advisor that is guiding you on those things so definitely i've got my bookkeeper my accountant and my financial coach as does jordana levine i think i think your bookkeeper your accountant and your financial coach are all mine yeah well they're mine now too (laughs) they're they're great and that's the thing like going to people who run their businesses too asking them how they do it and then taking taking that inspiration because that stuff's important that's where businesses can bottom out when you haven't been doing your due diligence financially 
Yeah, absolutely. That is a big one. Bookkeeper, I say bookkeeper over accountant even. My bookkeepers saved my life. I don't even know what I did before them. Um, bookkeepers, accountant, yes. And and then when you're ready, financial coaching helps. It really yeah. does. I Look, I think for me, the financial coaching helped more on a personal side than a business side. But really the bookkeeping and the tax, if you can stay on top of that, that's not stuff you want to fuck up because I've got friends who fucked that up and they're paying years and years and years worth of tax later. If yeah. you can get on that from the beginning, then you're going to be in a really, really good position going forward. Absolutely. We've landed back in sexy tax land. Jordan, I'm going out on a whim here and taking a wild stab in the dark guess that you're recoing a TV show just by virtue of the fact you just said that off air. <laughs> well, good guess, Hol. I am. Oh, thanks so much. Um, it's going to annoy a shitload of people that I'm recoing this because it's on Foxtel. So it's not available to everybody. And I'm so, so sorry, but it's so good. And if you need to download it illegally, do so. It's oh. called The Undoing. Ooh. It stars Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. Ooh. And it's a thriller. They only drop one episode a week. It's a mini series, actually. So I think, don't quote me on this, but I think there's only six episodes. They've dropped two episodes so far. By the time this airs, the third episode will be dropping. It drops on a Monday night. Um, it's so good. I can't even really tell you what it's about because I don't want to reveal too much. But Ooh. basically, it's set in like high society of New York. So Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant are married. They have a son. And it's sort of like of Gossip Girl standards in terms of their New York lifestyle. Um, their son goes to this really prestigious school and there's this benefit that happens in the first episode and something goes down the Ooh. night of the benefit. And then Ooh. all this stuff starts to unravel. But Hugh Grant plays a serious role. I love watching him in serious roles. Nicole Kidman is wonderful in it and beautiful in it. They've given her extra hair and her hair is just like so enviable. <laughs> um, and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's a psychological thriller and you know I love those, but this one's mm. really got me hooked. So it's called The Undoing. It's on Foxtel and um, yeah. I've seen banners about it as I drive. It's they're doing a big marketing campaign. Well, it's a it's an HBO show, so like you know, it's going to be good. It's David E. Uh, Kelly who did. Um, oh, he's done so many things. I'm going to mess this up. Ali McBeal. Oh, maybe Grey's Anatomy. He's probably done more recent stuff. But yeah, um, it's cool. fantastic. But yeah, HBO. So you know, it's going to be good. But unfortunately, Foxtel owns HBO in Australia, so that's why you can only watch it through Foxtel. That's how they get you. Yeah. What's your record this week? Well, I have been doing something fun with the new space I have when I'm not on social. And that is, I have been learning French. (laughs) So Yes. It's been 10 days. And the app is Duolingo. That is my record for the week. I've downloaded Duolingo a number of times through the years. um, And this is the first time I've been committed to it. Amazing. Every day for 15 minutes a day. It, and you, it doesn't have to be French. So Duolingo goes through, oh, God, there's a multitude of languages. And it starts a beginner and you have challenges and there's I'm, – I'm on the free app version, but there's a paid app version as well. And then when you grow in your ability to speak, so there are tests where you speak out loud, you write. 
it's so great. It's just so great. It's so much fun. Um, then you progress to the next level and you just keep going and going and they say 15 minutes a day is all you need. And it really caters to my needing to be the best. Yeah. I was so frustrated the other night where I was like, I just want to unlock the end ones and translate, Holly, that's going to take you years. And I was like, but I just want to be the best now. So it's really fun. It's like a state of flow activity because it's a challenge. I lose track of time when I'm doing it. I'm learning a new skill and it's something that I've wanted to really invest energy in for years now. Um, and now I've, and now I'm doing it. So Duolingo, thanks guys. It's been great. That is so cool, Holly. It's fun. It's really fun. Have you ever learned a language before? Only French for two years in high school. And then I visited Paris twice and tried with my mediocre skills. And I'm like, I just want to be able to have a conversation. So that's my goal. So good. I'm terrible at languages. So bad. I did Italian for the HSC and it was like such a struggle. And I just, it's like my brain doesn't get it. It's the brain's wired. Like if you're like, if you can read music, you can like, yeah, I can't read music either. Yeah, I think that that's maybe what helped is that I grew up learning how to read music. But I also tried to learn Maltese, which is like my native tongue. Um, but that language is so hard. It's Italian mixed with Arabic. I did three months of in-person study and I still can't count to 10. So <laughs> French it is. <laughs> What's your favourite Mariah Carey song? At the moment, I've been playing Dream Lover. Like, literally the last three weeks, I've been playing it on repeat. And then I was in Pilates the other day, and they played it. And I was like, oh, my God, this song is following me. Oh, my God, that is so <laughs> funny. I'm going to say Dream Lover today, although usually it's um, – uh, oh, shit, I've forgotten it. It's blanked on me. What's yours? <laughs> um, well, I think in this season that is jolly, it's all I want for Christmas. Of course. Um, but I do love, I do, oh, I wish I had a heart, heartbreaker? Heartbreaker? Heartbreak, you got the yeah. best. Yeah, love it, yeah. with Jay-Z. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so all right, so tuning in, my gal, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, I have seen Mariah Carey in concert with listener and friend of the podcast, Jess. She's who performative. Also, who also um, requested this chart. I'm just so, so surprised she only requested it now. Oh, she'd be thinking it every week. Um, she's fiery as fuck. There's got to be at least one fire. Yes. One fire? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Is there more than one fire? No. Okay. She's got a fire placement. Uh, uh, sorry. No more than one fire in her top three, but there's fire in her chart. Okay. Yeah. You can tell she's, she's a fire sign. Um, Oh, God, she's very performative. I'm not getting any... Oh, no, there's an earth placement. Is there an earth placement? Yes. Yeah. I'm not getting any... Oh, there could be air because there could be an Aquarian placement because she's a bit quirky. It's between air and water. I'm going to park that for a second. Is her fire placement her rising? No. Her sun? Yes. Okay, because I can see it. I can see it. And then her earth placement is her moon. No. It's her rising. Yes. Fire sun, earth rising. I'm going to say water moon. You're right. It is a water moon. Cool. 
So. You're doing well. Thank you. Is her, her earth placement is definitely between, oh, it could be any of them actually. Oh, it could be any of them. It could be Taurus because she loves the finer things. It could be Virgo because I've, I've heard rumors that she's quite by the fucking book, like rules. Well, and yeah. I mean, I would almost say the by the fucking rules is Capricorn. Capricorn. That's where I was going to go with that. I was like, and it could be Cap. Oh, I'm just going to have to be intuitive with this. When I see Mariah, I see it's between Taurus or Cap. Cap. Taurus. Fuck. You're right, though. It was those finer things. Oh, hi, little baby kitten. Taurus rising. She is an Aries sun. Yes. Yeah, I can see it. She's fiery AF and a very young energy. Aries sun, Taurus rising. What's her moon? Water moon. Cancer moon. No. Pisces? No. She's a Scorpio moon? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but I thought that that was way too obvious. No. Oh, my gosh. This is another natal chart that's very similar to Leah. (laughs) With the Scorpio moon and the Taurus rising. Mariah, can you tell me her other fire placements? Yeah, so her Venus and her Mars are both Aries. <laughs> I know. Um, her Neptune is Sag and her Chiron is Aries. I mean, this makes sense why she released that song against Eminem, Why You're So Obsessed With Me. Like, I love Mariah, but that was just a silly thing to do. Um, so that was very, very Aries. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, love she's it. very Aries dominant. Wow. You can see that, hey. And you can see her Taurus so clearly. Oh, sorry, sorry. I have to apologize. Uh, uh, it's her Mercury and Venus that are Aries, not her Mars. What's her Mars? Her Mars is Taurus. Ah, oh, stubborn AF. Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> <laughs> Trust you to bring Eminem into this. I just had to. Sorry, guys. He's just an innocent little Libran. He doesn't deserve this. <laughs> Can I just say, what about that song, like, where he's talking about wanting to kill his wife? Stan? Yeah. Yeah, look, um, like, misplaced anger, lots of misplaced anger, um, can relate. <laughs> uh, that's all I'll say. <laughs> all right, Trenny, if you need help, just <laughs> wave at me. <laughs> it's fine, I have no Aries placements. I am a sensitive little self. <laughs> can relate. Holy. Can relate. I don't have a wife, it's fine. <laughs> oh. A question came through on the Facebook in the Facebook group and it's come through a few times, Jordan, how we manage being seen. I'm doing that in inverted commas. I feel like I need to, yeah. I don't know what. I know, I agree. <laughs> but before we even dive into that conversation. What does being seen mean to you, Jord? Is it literally like people looking at you? Do you know what it means to me, Hull? It's like being seen is not just by the gaze of another. It's by the gaze of another seeing you for who you are, seeing the real you. And so I think being seen has just actually more to do with you being comfortable with projecting who you are and then that being accurately received by other people. 
That's such a good point because we say things like, wow, in that moment I felt so seen or I feel so seen. And that comes with such an acute level of self-awareness because often when you're seen, it's not always in moments of like celebration and glory. In fact, when I say, whoa, that hit, I feel so seen, it's in moments of deep vulnerability and challenge, right? Absolutely. Deep vulnerability. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head. But so, I just want to, oh, sorry. I just want no, to bring it back to what you said earlier when you were like, when we were talking about work and you were seeing these people on social and you're like, hang on a minute, that's me. Yeah. I relate to that in terms of being seen because for so long in my career, when I was working for myself, I'm like, hang on, why are all of these people getting recognition when I am far more skilled than they are, when I'm better at most things than they are, and when I'm killing it over here, but nobody's recognizing it, nobody's seeing it, and what they do see, I don't feel is what I want them to see. Like it's not what I'm projecting for them to see. Yes. And do you feel like for both of us in those moments, it's because we were a version of ourselves that wasn't our fullest vulnerable self because we were working jobs we didn't like. We weren't living our fullest potential and we deep down knew that. So it became this bitterness rather than this outward expression of how we actually are. Yes. And I can't speak for you, but for me, it was a lot of comparison and it was like, I need to mirror that Yes. In order to be seen the way they are. Yes. It's but that's so true. not how it works at all. And I see this come up for both of us where I see other people trying to mirror the work that we do and it's yes. not translating for them. And yes. I want to say to them, it's because you're not doing it with your flavor. You're trying to do it with my flavor. And that's yes. never going to work for you. Yeah, no one can do it your way. So let yourself be seen. And this is where it gets really scary, right? And uncomfortable because that's where the vulnerability hangovers come in. And I I know, especially when working with women who are stepping into particularly sharing more of their interest in spirituality, for instance, or personal development, there are all these inner, you know, questions in the mind going, oh God, what will my family think? What will my friends think? Like, when we are holding ourselves back from expressing our fullest self because of fear of what other people might think, our friends, our family, our loved ones, in that moment we're saying we care more about their opinion of us over our own true expression of self. Yeah. And therein lies the challenge with being seen. It's how much can you back your own integrity and what feels true to you regardless of the fact that, yes, there will be judgments, absolutely, but you know yourself deeply enough to know that this is this is who you're here to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I was going to call you a name that was not your name. Holly, oh, yeah. Holly. Holly and I have done so much kinesiology work on this. It's not even funny. I feel like every session we have is about being seen. Yeah. So this isn't something that you just do, you know, you can just step into with confidence. You know, it's it's a process. And this, I want to say because I think it's very important, stepping into vulnerability and being seen is very different than being oversharey and putting all your cards on the table and leaking energy out because you think that being seen is giving all of you. And I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I have very, very honest and raw content in both of my books where I share a lot of my life. But if you go on my social media, 
I'll give you some like philosophical musings about life, but you never see my personal life. Like you'll never see mm-hmm. me share my partner's face on there. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but mm-hmm. I would very rarely share my partner's face on my social media. Um, I don't really talk about the ins and outs of what's going on in my personal life. Um, mm. This is one of the reasons we're stepping back from the middle a little bit as well, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that there is a way to be vulnerable and be authentic and be seen without having to be completely exposed. Well, then you exhaust yourself. And I'm, again, speaking from personal experience too, Jord. I, I got that very confused at the beginning when I first started on, you know, sharing more of my journey. And it was like breakdowns and in my Instagram stories and sharing every single thing before they'd fully integrated. And I'd be left feeling exhausted afterwards. I can only imagine people watching. Yeah, I know it helped people, but also it probably affected a lot of people as well like energetically speaking same I I get messages sometimes from people being like oh I didn't realize you were married and it's like yeah cool like (laughs) like, yeah cool like for me that's part of my life that I I obviously if you listen to the middle you get way more than anybody else does but there's boundaries in place around what it does feel like um yeah what I want to share and what is and what I want to be seen, what parts of my life I want to be seen, and the parts that that I don't. And I think that's the other thing that, that we all forget, Jord, is what we see, particularly, let's be real, it's mainly social media and sometimes a podcast show, we're watching a 15-second, sometimes maybe a minute max of a person's day and think we know the intricate details of their entire life. Yeah. But really, you're just seeing them cook breakfast and maybe go for a walk, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> There's so much that happens between those things. Yeah. So when it comes to being seen, I guess, what's the advice for people, Hull? Uh, do the work on it. Uh, if you're asking the question on, like, how do you how do you step more into being seen and feeling comfortable in that, knowing that it's not, like you said, it's not a flick switch thing. We're constantly doing the energy work. Uh, kinesiology sessions have been huge. Anytime I'm needing to launch something new or when I stepped into modeling, I was shifting energetically with my you know with zoe who works with us both being seen is all around the solar plexus so how are you nourishing that part of your energetic center and we did a whole episode on the chakras no you guys love that one so we go (laughs) (laughs) it's a joke between jordan and i anytime we run out of an idea to the show we're like let's do the chakras again (laughs) sorry 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 holly says let's do the chakras again um, but the solar plexus chakra is the energy center yeah. of being seen. So go back. Because <laughs> they're so integral, guys. That's why. It's so important. But I don't know. Did I miss anything? What about you, George? Uh, look, I think, again, broken record, self-awareness is your greatest superpower. And I feel like being seen. <laughs> I've got a cat purring in my ear right On now. On her shoulder. It's so cute. <laughs> um, being seen is all about recognizing who you are and how you choose to express it. So really getting curious about it. You know, I think a lot of the time we don't sit and take the time to think, how do I want people to see me? And Mm. why, why are they not seeing me the way I want them to? Is Mm. there something that I'm doing? Is there a mask I'm wearing? Am I putting on a front? You know, what can I do to start to shift people's perception of me? Yeah. And in the moments that you feel seen and feel deeply vulnerable in that, express it. You don't have to internalize, say, wow, that hit. I feel really seen in that because of X, Y, Z. It's good to vocalize it and, you know, speak it out with someone 
because then in well maybe this is just self-projecting projectors but in speaking it out then it solidifies the experience you're having which in turn you mean you see more of yourself in the process yeah yeah oh being saying it's a tricky one guys it's hard to give advice on too because i think it is so personal but i think what you need to look out for is that you're not trying to mirror someone else's idea of being seen because you seeing them may not be them being seen you know it's so true it's like a rabbit hole of deception yeah yeah we're just deceiving (laughs) each other left right center so um just always bring it back to you and what makes you feel comfortable what's your authenticity what makes you feel in alignment and what level of vulnerability you're comfortable with. Because if you're pushing vulnerability past a point of comfortability, I mean, vulnerability will take you out of your comfort zone, sure. But if you're pushing yourself so far for the benefit of someone else's gaze, then you also need to question that. Yeah, 100%. And that's like putting people before you. And that's not being seen. No. Great chat, George. Um, so what we, we've only got two more episodes to go. I mean, one of them, we will talk about Christmas, I guess, because you guys are super keen to hear about it. I don't know what we're going to say, but what are we going to say about Christmas this year? Recos. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't want to reveal them all because I feel like most of my, uh, friends and family will be receiving what I reco. Um, but we'll try and do that. And there is a thread in the Facebook group. If there's any last little things you want spoken about. Um, I'm trying to think what was in there. To be honest with you guys, most of the things you've spoken about are um, in the archives, which I know is super annoying for you, but they are back there. So, you know, when this show ends, you might want to start right from the beginning and listen to three seasons. How many? How many episodes are there? Um, I think we're up to 90. Oh, my God. Or something like that. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, that's it's pretty cool. 20 hours worth of us chatting. Oh, God, that sounds like hell That is me. like so many days of back-to-back chat. If we just played that on loop, do you know how many days that is? That's more than three. But what could be interesting, Hole, and maybe in like the last episode, or maybe, actually maybe next episode, is even some of the stuff we've spoken about before, it's the stuff that people are asking for. Maybe we can recap a few things, like in, in a saying? few short sentences. This is true because, I mean, we've definitely, we're in the game of growth and I'm definitely not the holes that started the potty and you're not the jord. That could be a good one. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, also, just on another note, we've had a lot of dating requests come through. Honestly, guys, not to take anything away from hole, but I've just written a book on it and I've got a whole podcast series on it. So please and go so and listen to that. <laughs> the only date I've ever been on was an accidental date when I traveled to London by myself and the guy took me on a date and I thought we were just hanging out and I was married. It's the only date I've ever been on. <laughs> so I've no advice other than how to get yourself out of an accidental date. <laughs> well, hopefully one day when I'm married and I'm in London, you'll be able to help me out with that. Absolutely. Come to me for that specific reason only. Only that. Um, so, yeah. So now it's time for Holly to do the outro. Take it away, Holly. You know what this means? It means that the last outro is going to be mine. I know. Maybe we could do it together, the last one. That's a good idea. Thank you so much. Okay, this is my last on my own. <laughs> I better make it fucking good. You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly as a party and Jordana Levine. We've got two episodes to go, so if you really would like to get those final ep requests in, please do so over at the Facey Group. It's just searching The Middle Podcast on Facebook. <laughs> 
But wait, we've also got an Instagram account where you can look at our faces and not just listen to our words, which is such a treat on a Monday when I remember to post. Just search at the underscore middle underscore podcast. We love you guys and we'll see you for our second last app in a week's time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye, ex. <laughs> love you, bye. <laughs> <laughs>